1: percent of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21 caring for people in multiple generations demands time love attention and more welcome to caught between generations with your host dr. Meryl Griff our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff.
2: Welcome to Caught Between Generations. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some time with us today. So on today's show, we're going to be discussing various aspects of being single. We're going to begin with Susan Elliott, who is the author of Getting Past Your Breakup, How to Turn a Devastating Loss into the Best Thing that Ever Happened to You the best thing that ever happened to you. We're going to be really interested in hearing from her. And in the second half of the show, we'll be discussing singleism uh, with Dr. Bella DePaula, who promises to teach us how to live a happy life as a single, regardless of family pressure and societal pressure. But let's start with Susan Elliott. Susan is the creator of Getting Past Your Past. This is a blog that is read all over the world and actually it was rated by Wellsphere as one of the top one hundred blogs in the country. Susan is a certified grief counselor who left her practice as an attorney to work as a breakup and relationship coach. Welcome to Call Between Generations, Susan. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So, Susan, I want to get to the I want to get to the question I alluded to in the intro. So you discussed turning devastating loss into a positive experience. So, I, how can a loss lead to a good thing? Well, what
3: I say in the book, and that I've been telling people for a really long time, is that a breakup is an opportunity to really evaluate your life and figure out what do I really want to do? Like, what dreams do I want to make come true. You're not beholden to a partner. You don't have to take another person into consideration. And if you put your energy into building a new life, you really can move past your breakup and into the life that you've always wanted to have.
2: So how do you get yourself refocused? I mean, I would think that after a breakup, you're upset, and you're, you're mourning, and you're grieving, and you're angry, and you're all of these things. I mm-hmm. mean, how do you get yourself focused on on moving forward to a, what may be a more positive life? Well, one of the things that I tell people is you have
3: to pay attention to your grief. And one of the things that people try to do is to shortcut their grief. And to suppress it, repress it, get into another relationship right away, you know, do anything they can do to stop feeling as bad as they really feel. And I tell people, you have to get through this by grieving the loss and healing it and leaving it behind. But if we did nothing but that, we would just be depressed. You know, there's a lot of people who just couldn't, you know, most of us just couldn't handle having to grieve you know, 24 hours a day, especially, you know, after the first couple of weeks. So I tell people you have to balance the grief with building a new life and feeling good about yourself. It can't be all grief all the time and it can't be no grief either. There has to be a
2: balance. I I know that that period of grieving changes and differs from person to person, but just approximately, approximately how long do you think that, that goes on for? Well, I think that it depends on how many
3: losses you haven't grieved. You know, one of the things that happens when we have a loss is we're not just feeling the pain of this loss, but we're feeling the pain of all the other losses that we've never really dealt with. So that's what happened to me when my first marriage ended. I was suddenly face to face with all these losses that I just had not paid any attention to. So I usually tell people if that's the case, or even if that's not the case, even if this is your first big loss, give your grief, you know, it's due for the first couple of weeks where, you know, you do feel completely horrible and you can't think about anything else. But after a couple of weeks, you have to start doing the balance act and you have to start doing a bit of grief every day and doing a bit of building every day. It's a balance. And that process can go on for months.
2: The, the reason I asked you that question actually was because um, there were many people I, I saw as, as a therapist that, you know, other people were telling them, you know, get over it already. You right. know, it's, it's been eight weeks. You, you know, right. just get over it already. As if, you know, you know, you should only grieve for six or eight weeks and then you should be done. Right. Um, so I'm glad to hear you say that it can go on for a longer period of time.
3: Yeah, and I've done things, you know, I've told people, you know, stupid things that other people say, you know, they say, you know, there's more fish in the sea. They say, don't waste your tears on this person. They say, just go back into another relationship. So a lot of people get really bad advice from people that mean well, but they just
2: don't know what they're talking about. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I like
2: that. They just don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> see, you can see if someone says something stupid to you, you can say, "No, no, no." Susan Elliott, who is who is a world-renowned expert, told me, "You just don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> I love it. So, Susan, do you, do you think there's a difference between a breakup and a relationship between people who are not married versus people who are married? Well, I think that, you know, as an attorney, I can talk about the legalities,
3: and, you know, marriage is a legal contract, so you have to go through the courts, and a lot of that is, you know, it's very trying when people have a really difficult breakup, a lot of anger, a lot of tit-for-tat, and they're doing that in court, but when people are not married, but they've lived together, you know, courts don't want to divide their pots and pans. And, you know, th- so there's pros and cons to each one, but I think that the legal implications of a marriage can make the relationship in, break up in one, in one respect a lot harder, but in another respect, at least there's rules and regulations as to how it goes.
2: So while we're talking about differences in response, do you think there is a difference in the way women respond to a breakup as opposed to how men respond to the breakup?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had a friend before I even got into this line of work, I had a friend who used to say, women, you know, they break up, they cry, they call their friends, they eat hot fudge sundays, you know, <laughs> and in a few months they get over it. But a guy will act like nothing happened, and then eight weeks and then eight months from the time of the breakup, he throws himself in front of a car.
2: Wow, that was a pretty strong statement right. I- <laughs> <laughs> So what we're saying is without becoming suicidal here. Right. you know, is that women women will show their emotion, men tend but, And I think that's good to know because I think sometimes women see men, you know, not responding, and they interpret that as they really don't care, Nothing impacts them, you know, absolutely. But you if know, you think
3: about the way women behave. If a man behaved that way, it would be unacceptable for his peer group, his family, and probably the woman he broke up with.
2: Well, you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. So let me get into no contact, okay? okay. Because you talk about going no contact after, after a breakup, but, but what if you can avoid that? I mean, what if you have children? I mean, sometimes you have mutual friends, you have family events. I mean, sometimes you work together. I mean, what do you, how do you do that?
3: Well, the, the advice that I give people is to make any necessary communication brief, business-like, and make sure it's necessary. Because I know that there are people that break up who are co-parents where suddenly somebody wants to talk about something they had zero interest in when they were together. You know, it's like all of a sudden they want to know how the kids are doing in school, and they didn't pay a bit of attention to the kids' schoolwork when they were living in the same house. And sometimes you have to say, what's really going on here? Like, why do we have to keep talking about this? You know, it's not really necessary. So you have to really examine your motives when you do have a co-worker, co-parent, relationship, are, am I talking about things I really need to talk about, or am I just looking for excuses
2: to stay in touch? So, do you think it's, it, what about in this digital age? I mean, there's just, uh, I can't even talk about how much there is now, and how much communication there is in life. I mean, you I mean, as right. a psychologist, I should not be opposed to communication, but you know, it is overwhelming, let's admit it at times. It so,
3: is, and I just, I don't think that people, and I tell people this all the time. It's like I don't believe in being available for constant communication with the world. I tell people all the time spend some time each day with your phone shut off, you know, and let people know if you send me a text, I might not get right back to you. And I've had clients who will say, well, you know, they'll think something happened to me. And I said, yeah, because they're so, because they have you trained to answer every text they send, and you're allowing them to train you. So now you have to train them that if you don't hear from me, nothing bad
2: has happened. I'm just having some time for myself. You know, Susan, what I find to me interesting but strange is that the number of breakups that I hear about anyway that are done by text, I mean, they're not even done face-to-face. Right. I mean, it 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 just drives me a little crazy in terms of being disrespectful. I mean, do you see a lot of that?
3: Yeah, I do. And I think that a breakup by text is a cowardly way out. You know, I just don't think that it's the way that you should treat somebody who has basically given you part of their life and has cared about you. I just, I just think that people deserve better than that.
2: What do you think some of the other pretty common mistakes that you see that, that people do after a breakup that you would recommend that they avoid?
3: Well, one of the things that they do is they stalk their ex on social media. You know, they look at their Instagram, they look at their Facebook, and, and, and they interpret everything that they see in some way that's going to hurt them more. And I tell them, you've got to cut the ties on social media. That absolutely has to be the first thing that you do. And, you know, one of the other things that they do is they stay in touch with friends of the ex or family of the ex. And they let people tell them what the ex is doing. So even though they're not having direct contact, they're having what I call passive contact. And it's keeping you involved and aware of your ex at a time when you should be moving on and thinking about you and only you.
2: So talking about mistakes, talk to me a little bit about rules around and behaviors around children. Because when you talk about, you know, keeping track of what your ex is doing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. when you have children, it's one of the easiest ways to keep track of. Uh, of what the other person's doing. So what are the rules that you recommend um, around children? I
3: recommend that parents let children know that they shouldn't come home and sort of tattle on the other parent. You know, shouldn't tell the mother or the father what the other one is doing. You know, children have to be taught boundaries and that's part of the boundaries because children have an agenda too. And some children might want to get their parents back together, so they'll tell one parent, you know, you better hurry up and, you know, get back together with mom because she's starting to date somebody, you know, and you never know exactly why kids are bringing tales back and forth, but they need to understand that these are two different households, there's two different rules, and, you know, don't be carrying, you know, it's just not appropriate for kids to be doing anyway.
2: Right. So we've been talking to Susan Elliott, who is the author of Getting Past Your Breakup, How to Turn a Devastating Loss into the Best Thing that Ever Happened to You. When we come back, we're going to be talking about tips for really actually moving on um, and trying to make a decision about whether you're going to love again or love again, but, you know, still live alone. We'll be right back.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities in health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We've been talking to Susan Elliott, who's the author of Getting Past Your Breakup, and she's been giving us great advice about things, issues like no contact and common mistakes that people make uh, afterwards and how to start getting over the loss and finding some balance in your life. Susan Elliott is also the author of Getting Back Out There, Secrets to Successful Dating and Finding Real Love After the big breakup but one of the things that susan and i share is a common feeling that it's very very important that one of the things you have to do is to take care of yourself it's just critical so susan can you share with us some ways that you feel people can find balance and can begin to take care of themselves yeah, I think
3: that one of the things that, uh, people need to know is that getting past a breakup is really difficult. And getting past a breakup, you usually have a hit to your self-esteem. So you have to make sure, you have to become aware of your self-talk and that you're not saying negative things to yourself about yourself, that you're saying positive things because we show the world what we're worth and we show the world how we deserve to be treated. And if we're not treating ourselves well, nobody else is going to treat us well. So we have to be really aware of our self-talk. We have to make it real positive, And we also have to spend some time each and every week doing some nice things for ourselves, you know, pampering ourselves, you know, giving ourselves some time and some space, you know, and some goodies that make us feel better about who we are.
2: So one of the things you, you talk about is positive affirmations. Can, can you give us an example of that?
3: Yeah, I think that when uh, when people a break up. A lot of times they'll be saying, Oh, I was, you know, such a lunatic and I was, you know, maybe I'm ugly and maybe I'm this and maybe I'm that and I tell people, you know, if you have A self-image of you know that you're ugly and I use this as an example because you would not believe the attractive women who think like this and even attractive men like he must have dropped me because I was ugly you can't go from I'm ugly to I'm the most beautiful person in the world because you just won't believe it but you have to think about positive things about you everybody has compliments that they've received in their life you have nice hair you have nice teeth you're a pleasant looking person you have a nice smile so if you, if you hear yourself putting yourself down, think about those things. I'm a pleasant person with a nice smile. And I tell people, cut off the negative talk. If you hear yourself saying, oh, I'm so stupid, say no. Put a thought-stopping word in there and then say, I'm, you know, if you can't say I'm smart, because a lot of people can't get there if they think they're stupid, say something like, I'm learning and growing every day. And if you're reading books on how to get past the breakup or, you know, self-improvement, you are learning and growing every day. So give yourself credit for the things that you're doing because if you think you're stupid and ugly, you're going to attract other people who think you're stupid and ugly, and that just compounds the issue. You want to show the world that you're worthwhile, and you only want to be around people who see that in you.
2: So one of the things you just mentioned, and you met, and you talk about this in your book, is you know obsessive thoughts. You know, and and I, it's something that I see a lot. They that people just cannot seem to stop it. It's like a loop going on in their brain, um, and it and it's constant. And it usually starts with if only, you know, if only I had done this, if only I had done that, you know, right. It, it, you know, the whole thing would not have happened. I'd still be with him or I'd still be with her. I mean, how do, how do you suggest you stop those types of obsessive thoughts?
3: Well, I think the one thing that I tell people is, you know, those are kind of guilty statements. And guilt has no use except to learn from it and change future behavior. So even if you stay around and say, oh, if only I had done this, if only I had done that, well, you didn't do it. So it's over and let's move on. You know, you can say, even though I didn't, blah, I'm still a good person. Or even though, you know, I did this, I can love someone in the future and be a good partner. So you have to get out of anything that makes you feel guilty. Carl Jung said, guilt is a soul-eating emotion, and it is. And we don't want to be with We don't want to do anything that's going to be a soul-eating emotion. So the guilt, you have to put it aside, and you have to say, I'm going to do better in the future. I'm going to learn how to be a good partner, and that's what I'm going to do. Put the focus on the positive, not on the negative, not on things you can't change.
2: So... I've, I've focused on myself, I'm feeling more positive now, I feel like, well, I'm ready to continue with my life, but how do I make that decision, or do I need to make that decision about, do I want to enter into a relationship with the goal being to have an ongoing, long, serious relationship, or perhaps get married, or can I have a relationship and continue to live alone and be single? I mean, how, how do you do that? How do you make that decision? Well, I think that what people
3: need to do is to understand that one of the keys to future relationship success is being okay alone and having a fulfilled life. Because if you're always on the lookout for who's going to come along and make your life better, you're going to be too dependent on a relationship for your happiness. So you should have a good, fulfilled, and happy life, and then... At some point, once you've built your new life, say, okay, now I'm ready to share this with someone else. And it's really important that you go into a relationship knowing that you'll be okay no matter what happens. Because too many people say to me, I'll never trust anyone again. I've been too hurt. And it's like you don't have to trust someone else. You have to trust you. You have to the only way you can trust you is to know that you're okay no matter what, and the only way to be okay no matter what is to have a happy and fulfilled life without depending on someone else for your happiness
2: so the other um, element in that though is the ability to set boundaries, which mm-hmm. is Something I see across the board, even if we're not talking about relationships, I mean, it's, a, it's an issue that caregivers and people have throughout their life. So how do you go about setting boundaries in a way that doesn't you know, destroy your relationships with people? Well, sometimes
3: sometimes setting boundaries does destroy relationships, but those are usually the relationships you don't want to have. You know, if you can't set a boundary with somebody, they're not worth being in your life. So, you know, I say that healthy people like other healthy people, and healthy people have boundaries. So... If you're a healthy person and you're around somebody who doesn't have good boundaries, you're not quite sure what this person is going to do or going to allow or going to say, you know, if they don't have good boundaries. So I just tell people boundaries are the sign of a healthy individual. And healthy individuals want to be around people that have good boundaries,
2: You know, you said something in your book. I just have to, I have to repeat. Uh, This is is a quote from Susan Elliott on boundary setting because I just thought it was so good. And Susan said, remember, no is a one-word sentence. If you don't want to do something for someone, say no and move on. Don't allow someone to demand an explanation or cajole or manipulate you. No is no and it's not yes. I thought those were very wise words, Susan. Yeah, and there words that I had to learn. You know, everything that I put in my book are things
3: that I did. I've never asked a reader or a client to do anything I haven't done.
2: So, Susan, what about as you're re- getting ready to form new relationships and, and you want new ways to reconnect? I mean, what's your suggestion for that? I mean, obviously, there's lots and lots of Internet dating sites out there. Right. I mean... What's been your experience as the best way to begin to reconnect?
3: Well, I think that you know people might want to try their dating sites, but you know there's there's you know for every good story of meeting on the internet, there's sort of like a horror story as well, so you know you really have to think about you know putting yourself out there and how you want to do it and in getting back out there, I talk about you know creating a profile and and really learning how to kind of read between the lines of somebody else's profile and to take care of yourself. And I also I have no connection to any of the paid dating sites, but I find that there's a better there's there's better people on the paid dating sites than the free dating sites. So I usually tell people, you know, beware of some of the free dating sites because they're completely unregulated. And you really want to have, you know, some way to check people out. You don't want to be going blind into, you know, this new dating.
2: Yeah, which I guess is the issue around uh, meeting someone through Facebook. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good to meet people through Facebook if, like,
3: they're friends with a mutual friend because people tend to put their life on Facebook. So, you know, if if it's a friend of a friend, you've already got a reference for them. So, you know, that's that can be good in a way. But the other thing is that people on Facebook put the good parts of their life. Like, nobody's putting a picture of when the car broke down and they got into a screaming fight with their mother. You know, nobody's putting that on <laughs> Facebook. So you have to understand that Facebook
2: is just a happy moment of people's <laughs> lives, and it's not its not totally accurate. I love that. It's like, no, I'm not posting the picture of myself when I first get up in the morning and I have no makeup on. Exactly. Right. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's not it's not a true representation of someone's life. It's all the happy little moments. I you know, love it. it's it's like watching someone's vacation films over and over and over again.
2: Susan, it's been great having you here. Give us your contact information. Tell us about your blog. The blog is at
3: www.gettingpastyourbreakup.com. Um, I also have a lot of videos on uh, YouTube, which is on um, the channel is Getting Past Your Past. And we also have a Facebook group, which is Getting Past Your Breakup, and a Facebook page, which is Getting Past Your Breakup. And I also write for Psychology Today, so you can find me on there
2: as well. Susan Elliott, thank you so much for being with us today.
3: Oh, you're very welcome. It was great. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Dr. Bella DePaula and we'll be talking about uh, living a very, very happy life as a single.
0: To Voice America Health and Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care.
1: Do you understand what really needs to be done for your health? Or like many, are you mostly letting what you hear and see in today's media dictate your healthy lifestyle? It's time to get focused. There is a reason why cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, and other illnesses are running rampant in our world. Ganino Wellness Radio with Dr. John and Linda Ganino will show you that there are easy, preventative, everyday steps to get you back on track. Listen live every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events at voiceamerica.com.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. May also send an email to Dr. Merrill at Caught Between Generations.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Hi, welcome back. I am Dr. Merrill, and we were just speaking with Susan Elliott about how to survive a breakup and how to begin to focus on yourself and build a new life and begin to move on. And one of the issues we considered was whether to become involved in a relationship with the goal to you know, become remarried or to continue to live uh, life as a single. You know, I think one of the reasons I've heard people tell me uh, that they have so much difficulty deciding what to do is based on their fears of what being single really means. So, I hear lots of stories about going to a restaurant, going to a movie, you know, and the negative vibes they get in doing that, being excluded from events for couples, being uncomfortable and being made to be uncomfortable uh, at family events. So our next guest is Dr. Bella Dipolo and Dr. DePolo is the author of Single Doubt, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatized, and Ignored, and Still Live Happily Ever After. She writes a blog entitled Living Single for The Atlantic Magazine. Welcome no to per- Caught Between Generations. Thank you so
4: much. I just wanted to say my blog is for
2: Psychology Today. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Okay, (laughs) no problem. Thank you for the great introduction, (laughs) Doctor DePaulo, who writes a great blog for Psychology Today. (laughs) Sorry about that. So Uh, no problem. You know, Dr. Polo, Usually, I don't talk about statistics because, you know, statistics—let's face it—are um, can be kind of boring, you know. <laughs> but it re- well, they can be. But in in reading your book, I mean, it was very, very interesting to read about this like growing exponentially number of single people in the in the U.S. I mean, why do you, why do you think that is? I mean, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. There are
4: nearly as many people who are not married as married, 109 million just in the United States. And another fun statistic, even though you don't like them, people spend more years of their Adult life not married than married. So I like to say, single life really is the better part of our adult life. And there are lots of people, lots of reasons for the growing number of single people. You know, we don't need marriage in the really basic way we used to. Women, especially, women used to need to marry for financial security because it was so hard for women to get good jobs. And now that there are more jobs for women, even when they don't pay as much as they pay men, it still allows women to take care of themselves financially and maybe even some kids. So they're no longer tethered to a husband for economic life support and it used to be really stigmatized to have sex outside of marriage and that's not true anymore sometimes it seems like the reverse is true (laughs) Um, and you can have children outside of marriage too so the big important parts of life that used to be only available through marriage especially if you were a woman now are available to single people too and what we've found in studies of single people in lots of different places is that they are living full, complete, meaningful, and fulfilling lives. They're connected to other people. They have more friends than married people do. They also have this option to Favor their solitude, their time alone, which can be good for creativity and rejuvenation and spirituality and personal growth. Um, they pursue their passions. They often prefer meaningful work more than married people do. So, in all sorts of ways, single people are living. Full and complete and rewarding and meaningful lives. Now, what you also said is also true, which is that there are ways in which single people are stereotyped and stigmatized, you know, when. When, uh, your cu- when your friends get coupled and they ditch you and they start dating only couples and you get left out, I mean, that's really painful. And when your family thinks there's something wrong with you because you're single, all those things do happen. But what I think is really amazing is that despite the ways that people are stereotyped and stigmatized, single people still on the, on the whole do really well. And that the, that's what's behind the subtitle of my book, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatized, and Ignored, and still live happily ever after.
2: So what do you think, though, is behind it? Because, I mean, people have this experience all the time. I was just talking to a young woman recently who's um, been in a relationship for two years, and her boyfriend travels frequently. So mm-hmm. she was telling me about, going to the movies recently, um, mm-hmm. and she she said it just it makes her upset because she walks up and she says, can I have one adult ticket? And they go, uh-huh. oh, just one? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. But you know what?
4: I The very first study I ever did about single people was to test out what people really do think of other people who go out to dinner by themselves. And we created these uh, situations where you could see the same person either with what seems to be a, you know, their part, their romantic partner or friends or by themselves. And, people were no more negative about the person dining alone than they were about the person dining with a romantic partner. So a lot of that is is in our heads. You know, we think other people are judging us negatively, but in fact, sometimes they're thinking, I wish that could be me, or she looks so relaxed, or or they look at a couple and say, you know, they just feel like they have to be with each other. (laughs) They don't have anything (laughs) to say. And so I think some of that we have to be careful not to, um, um, not to make too much out of our uncomfortable feelings because maybe other people aren't thinking what we think they are.
2: Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you talk, you have a number of myths um, in Mm -hmm. your book um, that I found very, very interesting. Um, And they really resonated with a lot of the things that I hear my own clients talk about. So Mm -hmm. one of them was, you know, oh, you poor thing, you're miserable, (laughs) and and your life is just tragic. Yeah. Isn't that
4: terrible? Some people really do think that there are stereotypes of single people. And yet, if you look at the research, you find something different. People think, oh, if you get married, you'll be happy. But there are all these studies that have followed people over the course of their lives and look at how their happiness changes when they go from being single to getting married. And it turns out that at there's this brief honeymoon effect like right around the time of the wedding that's very exciting but then afterwards people become less and less and less happy and they end up as happy or as unhappy as they were When they were single, and even that honeymoon effect, that only happens for people who get married and stay married. The people who end up divorced don't even get that brief, you know, fun feeling right around the time of the wedding. They're already getting less happy. So the idea that if you get married, you'll become happier is really just a myth
2: okay so let's go to the other side of that coin first we were talking about people saying you're miserable and your life must Mm -hmm. be tragic so let's go to the other side of the coin which is Mm -hmm. ah, you have no responsibilities you have have nothing in your life you have nothing to do but enjoy good times you know it's just fun 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 for you and that
4: really bugs me because single people are some of the most selfless and helpful people we have so for example if you, when your parents are getting older and need help, it's their single-grown children who are much more likely to help them than their married children are. When somebody needs help over a sustained period of time, say three months or more, and I don't even mean just your relatives, anybody, single people are more likely to jump in and help. If you look at people who help do volunteering, volunteering, um, in every domain except one, which is religious organizations, single people do more volunteering than um, married people do. They're more connected with their neighbors. They're doing more to keep their communities going. Um, they're more often the life of the cities in, in downtown areas. So the, this idea that single people don't have anyone, they don't have anything to do, their lives are empty, is exactly wrong.
2: I think that, you know, many of our listeners are caregivers, and I think that, though, that is one of the issues that they have is that they may willingly want to do that and and mm-hmm. will do it, but the expectation is yeah. that you will take responsibility for this because yeah. you have no responsibilities,
4: right? And that is so hurtful and so wrong. It is. It's a value judgment on your life as a single person that whatever you're doing in your life is not as worthy. It's not as. Um, worthy of respect as what a married person is doing in their life. And, of course, single people have their own lives. And, you know, the other thing about that that is so wrong-headed is that if a single person takes time off from work to care for someone, they don't have a second income to fall back on. It's not like they can do what a married person can do and say to their spouse, I've got to take care of mom you, you know, step up at the work, or you bring in them. You bring in the bacon for this next couple of months or years or however long it takes to do that.
2: All right, we've been talking to Dr. Bella Tapolo, who is the author of "Single Doubt: How Singles Are Stereotyped." stigmatized and ignored and still live happily ever after. When we return, we're going to do one last myth I want to talk about and that is about single parents and then I want to ask Dr. Paulo's advice about how you handle some of these commonly encountered situations we've been discussing, um, such as going out with uh, your friends, going out in couples and family events. We'll be right back.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities in health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792 may also send an email to dr merrill at caught between generations.com now back to the show
2: welcome back to caught between generations i am dr merrill and i am here with dr bella Depolo who is the author of singled out and we've been discussing living a life as a single and still being happy we were talking about a variety of myths that surround singles. Um, and Dr. Tupala, one of those myths is has to do with single parents. And I love the, the title of your chapter. It's, it's Attention, Single Parents, Your Kids Are Doomed. I mean, I love that. I mean, it's like doomed. It's such a yeah. it's not even like they maybe they won't do as well. No, they're doomed <laughs> you know? yeah, and that is such a common belief about the children of single parents.
4: And yet, when I went and looked at the research and looked at what it really shows, when you find that children of single parents aren't doing as well after a divorce, often what really happens, is that their troubles were starting while the parents were still married and were fighting all the time. And what really is hard for children is conflict or a cold, uncaring household. But if you have a parent, including a single parent, who really cares about the child and has a great bond with them, that child is probably going to be fine. And in fact, there's also research that looks at all the different kinds of families in a household and households where a child might be raised—so two married parents, a single parent, multi-generational, adoptive, step families, etc.—and
3: they found that
4: the children, the adolescents, with the best outcomes, less likely to get, you know, drinking and drugs, and more likely to start to stay in school, were the children of parents who had a mom who had always been single who is living in a multi-generational household with grandma or maybe great-grandparents and so quite contrary to the idea that the best thing is to have two parents and it's terrible to have one parent it can be you know these kids can really thrive.
2: You know, I, it's it's interesting that you say that because as a grandmother now, I really understand the difference um, in relationships with, with children. Um, and I think you can really help out parents and support parents. Um, so actually, that, that really doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, let's talk about another issue around families. And one of the other myths you talk about, actually, it's not a myth, and that is that you know, especially in travel. You know, you look at a travel catalog. You know, if you're single, usually it says, you know, you you get dinged in effect for being single. You know, it, it costs yeah. you more to travel oh, as a single yeah. um, than it does to travel uh-huh. actually a, as a couple. Um, right. And so, you you talk a little bit about like all the perks and benefits and uh-huh. and everything that seems to come to couples. You know, but it 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 never yeah, seems to come to singles. Exactly, so many.
4: Travel, um, tickets like the film festivals or, or health clubs or just about anything imaginable will say, oh, single people, you pay um, You know, married people, you pay $200. Single people, you pay $150. So um, single people are paying more per person than people who are coupled, And that happens in so many ways, in so many different contexts, that it really adds up. And it's not just in the marketplace where that happens. Even in our federal laws, There are more than a thousand ways that people who are officially married get benefits and protections that people who are single do not, and they include things like, you know, I I can work side-by-side with a colleague for years and years and years, and if my married colleague dies, he can leave his his Social Security to his wife and my same social security benefits that I worked for all those years, they go back into the system. I can't leave them to a sibling or a close friend, and nobody can leave them to me. And there are all sorts of tax benefits that married people got, and some of those were the reasons, among the reasons why so many people work so hard to make same-sex marriage legal so that um, same-sex couples could get the same benefits But that still leaves out single people of all sexual orientations and identities who are left holding the bag. You know, they still are second-class citizens who don't get any of these benefits and protections.
2: You know, I never thought about it. You're right. You can't designate a beneficiary. Like for your insurance, you okay. know, like your life insurance, you can designate right. a beneficiary, whoever you mm-hmm. want, actually. Right. But you can't right. do that with your Social Security. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Wow, okay, that ought to become another issue. We'll talk about it another day. (laughs) So so you are so great at responding to this. I I really do want to ask your advice because I think sometimes people need scripts to help them get through situations. They need to kind of know what to say. So let's just take a a simple example, okay? Mm -hmm. So I do go to the restaurant, all right, Mm -hmm. and I say table for one, and they say Mm -hmm. just one, (laughs) <laughs> yes, Our- I say it's <laughs> one, not just one. I've done that. And so, it, it's so kind of,
4: it kind of dawns on them. You know, it's like they don't even, it's, when they say things like that, it's not necessarily that they're trying to be mean to you. It's like they've absorbed this whole cultural way of thinking about singles. And if they get someone who's smiling and, and you know, not self-conscious and not acting all apologetic for being there by themselves and say, one, please, you know, not just one. I
2: think it, it's, it's an educational moment. So what would you say to them? I mean, when they would you just ignore it or is there something oh, you can say, actually well, if they say they said to just them?
4: One I'd say one, not just one.
2: <laughs> so, let's talk about the dreaded family event, okay? And yeah. and you go and of course then there's there's always a group of people that will say something like, "Oh, you are still alone?" Are you still single Um, or haven't been anyone yet? Have you tried those dating sites? Maybe that would work for you, sweetheart. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think single people,
4: especially if you really do like your single life, you should never, ever be apologetic about it. And you can say, I I haven't tried the dating sites because I'm not interested in dating and talk about... All the aspects of your single life that are so um, meaningful to you, you know the, what are the passions you're pursuing, who are the people who are important to you? I think one of the things that we really get wrong in our society is that we undervalue friends. You know, friends can be so important to us um, maybe especially to single people, but they should be important to everyone else too. And so when people only ask you about whether you're seeing the kind of person that maybe you're having sex with, that's a
2: little narrow-minded, you know. Many of our (laughs) friends, yeah. So I I never thought of saying something like that, but, you know, I guess you you could say, you know, no, but the sex is great. Thank you.
4: (laughs) Yeah, really. That's a good one. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, what about the issue of your friends and everyone's going out as couples and you tend not to get invited um, because, you know, at that point you're not with someone significant, so you would you would go by yourself. I mean, is there a yeah. way you can approach your friends? Um, yeah, that's a hard one. And
4: I've actually asked... People, well, why is it that I might not make it specifically about me? I I might say, well, why is it that you seem to be just socializing with other couples? And they have a hard time with that. And I think asking the question in a way, if you can make it sound non judgmental and just curious, you know, I'm curious, why is it that, you know, that the people that you hang out with are all other couples? And I think that maybe we'll turn on a little tiny light bulb. Like yeah, why am I doing this?
2: Hmm. We've been talking to Doctor Bella DePaula. We've been having a great time. You you just sound like just your your book is great and you sound fabulous. So <laughs> thank um, you. That
4: is so nice of you.
2: Oh, so tell us um, how we can contact you. Tell us quickly about your, your books, blogs, okay. webinars, whatever you have.
4: Sure. Um, my webpage is belladepaulo.com, B-E-L-L-A-D-E-P-A-U-L-O.com, and there's a contact um, page on my website. And my book is singled out. How singles are stereotyped, stigmatized, and ignored, and still live happily ever after. I have a whole bunch of other books too, but that has always been my favorite. And I write the Living Single column for Psychology Today, and yes. there's lots of other writing too. So um, lots
2: of stuff to look at if you're interesting. Interested. Thank you so much. You've been a fabulous guest, really. (laughs) Thank you so much. We've learned a lot from you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay, bye. This is Dr. Merrill. Remember to watch our Facebook Live and continue to email me at Dr. Merrill at Caught Between Generations. And as always, try to do just one thing, just one thing, even if it's a little five-minute walk outside for yourself this week, because you're very, very important and you really have to take good care of yourself because you mean so much to so many people around you. You really do. So take good care.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.